pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 170. Today I'm going to chat with Yehuda Reamer, aka the Pew Pew Jew, discuss Congresswoman Lauren Boebert's recent inquiry about carrying and the Capitol, highlight the new Diamondback DBX57, and talk about a new way to grow your own meat. I am your host, Ava Flannell, and Yehuda, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great today. Just, uh, you know, hanging in there, trying to stay sane. Right? No kidding. I was just telling somebody, I feel like this year has tested everyone's mental health more than any other year. Forget about COVID and what it's doing, but just the things that people are putting us through. And as of Friday, before the show comes out, they're doing another lockdown in Colorado, which means that you can't dine in restaurants. And I feel so bad for these restaurants because we were just told, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, that we were going to be closing down in four or five days. And I feel bad because most of these restaurants have a ton of food that is going to go bad that they're not going to be able to go through in the next couple of days. The whole thing is just, I just feel so bad. And I keep stressing what this is going to do to the economy. And even the economy aside, there's just so many things that are going to have long-term effects because of this. Absolutely. And I can't agree with you more. The restaurant industry really, really took a really hard hit. This past year, I think more than any other industry, they just took a massive hit because you're closing them down for half the year. How mm-hmm. are they? How are they functioning? I know there's a ton of local businesses here that have already gone out of business, and bars for the most part haven't really been open. And when they did allow them to finally open, they had to have been able to serve food. So if it was just strictly alcohol, I don't think they were able to open this entire time. I would love to start seeing. I mean. I'm not going to say I'm friends with her, but friendly uh, Shelly Luther. She was the woman who opened her salon in Texas. Oh, yeah. She's now running for uh, Texas State House. And I would love to see more people just whatever state you're in, just to kind of tell your governor to go F themselves and And remain open. open. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's happening here in Colorado. There's a huge list of companies, restaurants that have decided contrary to what the governor is saying, they are going to remain open. Hopefully that list continues to grow. And I think at the end of the day, people should be in charge of their own safety. Who are you to tell me whether I can run my business or not? And if they're paying my bills, great, but they're not. That's why I always tell my wife, and she always wants to slap me when I say this, but currently I have a massive crush on Christy Noam. And she's the governor of South Dakota. And huge crush on her, especially because she came out and said something. I believe the nearly exact quote was, who am I to say what businesses are essential? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, my God, not only are you like a good looking woman, (laughs) you're just awesomely constitutionalist conservative. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Another thing that I want to just address is so I was actually sick last week. And it's crazy how much you take for granted. If you've ever been sick, which you said before the show, you weren't feeling so great. Yeah. Uh, Understatement, no. But it just goes to show when you're sick, how much we take our health and the ability to just do things, even just clean our house, let alone work out. We take so much for granted. And I think it's easy to do, especially with everything going on in 2020. And so two days ago, I finally worked out for the first time in two weeks. And 
it just felt so good. Granted, it kicked my ass. I'm still sore. So I worked out and then I signed up for a spin class the next morning. And I'm like, why did I sign up for this class? I could barely get out of bed. (laughs) But in a way, I'm just glad that I'm able to move. So even if you don't have your health, there's still always things that you can look at and appreciate, whether it's good friends, a family, your house, food. There's still plenty of things to be thankful for. And I think that with everything going on, I think a lot of people are forgetting about that and kind of need that boost. So it's easy to concentrate on the bad, but try to concentrate on the good and try to maintain your mental health. Yeah, no, again, I can't agree with you more. There's so much crap and bad stuff going on right now, but just look around you, look at the friends you have, the family you have, and know that those are all blessings and try to wake up with that. A, a good friend of mine, I think, you know, do you know Charlie Cook? No, I don't. So he has a podcast called Riding Shotgun with Charlie. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I so do. Kind of, Man, I'm yeah, horrible with like names. Karaoke. So he's a good friend of mine. And every morning on his Facebook page, he lists the top three things that happened in the last 24 hours, who he's thankful to for and for what reasons. And it's just nice to wake up to that every morning. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not the one posting it, but just to see like positivity right in the morning. Yeah. Rather than, you know, the doom and gloom of national media. Yeah, agree. And nowadays the media, I've turned away from it. I don't even want to see it anymore. But I like that. And I think that more people should concentrate more on the good. And even now with the holidays coming up, I know that when the show comes out, Thanksgiving will have already happened. Whereas for us, it's tomorrow. And I got to say, holidays are definitely tough. I don't know how many people actually know, but I lost my mom eight years ago and holidays just have not been the same. So I dread the holidays every year. But it's still, it's one of those things where I'm still thankful for the friends that I have that I can spend holidays with. So even though you may not have a certain thing, you may not have a huge family or you've lost family members or any of that stuff, think about what you do have. On that note, Smith & Wesson. I've talked about it several times before. The Shield Easy series is one of my favorite guns. It's extremely accurate and just shoots really well. And as the name implies, it's easy to rack the slide, load the magazine. It's probably one of the easiest guns on the market to use. I do want to address the recall that they just recently issued, and it's on a limited number of them. So it's not every easy out there, but the recall is only for the Shield Easy pistols that were manufactured on March 1st. 2020 until October 31st, 2020, and only applies to a small portion of that population. The two detected pistols, so only two pistols have been detected to have this issue. They had hammers that were cracked from the supplier. In the two isolated cases, the cracked hammers could cause it to fire when the slide slammed home, either from releasing it manually or on it cycling after firing around. It wouldn't fire if the grip safety wasn't depressed, though. If you do have an easy pistol, a really good way to look up to see if your gun has been recalled, go on their website, that's smith-wesson.com, put in your serial number, and it'll let you know if you need to turn that gun in. But other than that, I still stand by the easy. I think it's a great gun. It's perfect, especially for beginners, people who lack hand strength. And even if you don't, it's just an awesome gun. Check that out at smith-wesson.com. Learn the 
things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Yehuda, I had you on the show in the beginning. I guess we're going on two and a half years now. Been that long. Has it really been that long since I was on Gun Funny? Yeah. Wow. Has it really been that long since the show's been around? It seems like just yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, for people who aren't familiar with what you do in the industry, can you just give us a little synopsis? Yeah, sure. I actually entered this industry and became a Second Amendment advocate. I don't want to say by mistake, but that was never the intention to become a two-way advocate. I entered this industry because I wrote a children's book called Safety On, and it's an introduction to the world of firearms for children. And still to this day, there are no books like my book. Now, I know some people like Julie Golub have come out with children's books, but to a different extent than what my book is. My book touches on all aspects of gun safety in a very thorough manner, and it's told through the eyes of a little boy. So it's more of a peer-to-peer conversation rather than an adult preaching to a child, like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that book. And then thankfully, because I, I knew nothing about the firearms industry, but it was very well accepted. I picked up some massive endorsements from some really big names. And that kind of prompted me to continue writing. So I converted that to a coloring book. I have written a ABCs of Guns for Children a book called 105 Explosive Gun Jokes. And my last book is called 27 Words, which is a breakdown of the 27 words of the Second Amendment for children. I love it. You recently took part in the 2020 Virtual Gun Rights Policy Conference. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's actually a pretty cool story and funny story. When my book first came out, I was trying to get Alan Gottlieb's endorsement on my book. And for those that don't know, Alan Golub is the head of the Second Amendment Foundation who puts on the Gun Rights Policy Conference every year. And about three months after my book came out, I met him at the USCCA Expo here in Dallas, Texas. And I walked up to him. I introduced myself. I said, you know, I'm looking for your endorsement. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I have a copy of your book. It's fantastic. I'll definitely endorse it. And we start chatting and then he turns to me and goes, oh, by the way, do you want to speak at the GRPC? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And one thing people don't realize about me is up until my first book came out, I absolutely shunned the spotlight. Mm -hmm. I haven't publicly spoken up until that speech for nearly 20 years. So for me to say, yeah, I'll speak in front of a group of people. I was like, yeah, it's the gun rights policy conference, right? It's gun rights. How big can that be? And I turned to Alan after I said, yes, I will speak. I said, how many people are going to be there? And he says, "Uh, about three or 400. And my face turned white as a ghost. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And this was in April. I got home from the expo and my wife is like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? And I said, I think I made a mistake. (laughs) And I explained to her and my wife being the type of wife she is, she just turns to me, she goes, well, kind of sucks for you because now you have to do it. <laughs> um, you can't get out of it. And it was a very long six months, but uh, I, I spoke. It was very well received. And then they have asked me to come back for the next, uh, I guess, three years wow. to speak every year. So 2020 was fun because it was a virtual one. So I got to pre-record my speech and it took me about 
four hours to do because I kept messing up, but eventually I got it down. And something that I'm very honored to be part of every year. Yeah, no kidding. So what was your speech about? My speech was actually on anti-Semitism, well, the rise of anti-Semitism in America, as well as Jews needing to not just buy a gun and learn to use it, but to actually get involved in the Second Amendment industry. Because you buying a gun and learning to use it is not going to actually defend the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. It's not going to protect that right. So it was a speech trying to inspire Jews to, you know, get involved with whatever organization you want, whether it's FPC, 2AF, 2AO, whatever it is. Even if you want to get involved with the NRA, as much as I know people in our circles are kind of very weary with the NRA at this moment, but Mm -hmm. just get involved. And you don't have to get out there and be an absolute advocate, but, you know, call your representatives, just do something that helps defend the Second Amendment, because without it, we've got nothing. We've got no freedom. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think that there's a rise in anti-Semitism? Honestly, I think it was always there. But I think when Obama was president, the way he was running the country, especially with his cozying up to places like Iran and other anti-Israel, anti-Jewish states, gave people the feeling that they can let out their Mm anti-Semitism. And then you got all these organizations coming out right after Obama, and then Trump took office. And for those that call Trump Hitler, I cannot disagree more. I know his son-in-law and daughter are Jewish. But, you know, I think there was such a hatred for Trump. And again, that just allowed people, they felt like they had an excuse to just hey, it's always the Jews' fault, so let's blame the Jews. Yeah, I know. I know that there's a lot of people that have said that Trump has created a lot of hatred among the U.S. and when with the whole BLM movement, and, and they're saying that Trump's racist, and it's really just created a ton of hatred. And I don't stand by the fact that Trump created this. I just think that people are... I don't know. I think honestly, people are just getting too comfortable. They're getting too comfortable behind the keyboard. The media is definitely a huge blame that just keeps adding fuel to the fire. But you did kind of address this, that there's sort of a war raging across America right now. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I don't think Trump in any way instigated any kind of hate. Mm -hmm. I think there are people who just hate him. I mean, look what Kathy, uh, was it Kathy Griffin, right? When she posted a photo of her holding a severed Trump head. Yeah. And now you have someone someone like Alyssa Milano, who has been calling the right side, I guess, I don't want to say the right wing, but calling Republicans and and conservatives, libertarians, calling them Nazis. And all of a sudden today, she's like, oh, I'm extending an olive branch. It's like, well, screw you. Yeah. Like, why do we want to, what, because you think your side won now that we're going to forget that we've been Nazis? I mean- I think it was just an incredible amount of hatred towards one man that you couldn't even have a conversation with the other side. Yeah. And I think that really propelled, I mean, I'll say it, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. I mean, it just propelled them to say, hey, we're going to get away with murder, literally. And they did. Mm -hmm. How many cops have been murdered and their killers not found? How many people from our side have been attacked out of nowhere with bricks to the head or 
getting decked in the face. I mean, they are the violent ones, not us. And I don't think, I, I, obviously with the media, like you said, with the media pushing it and being absolutely in the pockets of the Democratic Party, it's very hard to combat that. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. Do you think that at some point in our lifetimes, we're going to see some sort of civil war? Yes, I do. When that's going to be, who knows? We can bring that back to gun rights, especially today when the ATF is now coming after the braces and Biden saying that he wants to tax anybody who has any kind of firearm or whatever, semi-automatic or assault weapon. You know, he wants to tax them, including high capacity magazines. Well, first off, they're not going to know yeah. um, how they're going to track high capacity magazines and also how they're going to track who has ARs now. I mean, I really think that's lip service to the left. But if they really do start coming after our guns, all it's going to take is one person to fire back at the cops, whether he gets out alive or not. It will be the start of, Mm -hmm. well, I don't want to say the cops, but whoever comes to confiscate the gun, it will be the linchpin that will start off a civil war. And I don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to have the military who I don't think are big fans of Biden? Yeah. Are you going to have the military listening to him or listening to their oath to the Constitution? Because let's be honest. Whether you're in law enforcement or whether you're in the military, your oath is to the Constitution, not to the president. Yeah. So it'll be a very interesting thing. But I think we will see some sort of civil war. But then again, I mean, there's 72 million concealed handgun owners in the country. And that doesn't even count for the people who don't have their license to conceal. Mm -hmm. So we definitely have an advantage. Yeah. um, But I think that it will happen. Yeah. No, I'm there with you. I've said it on previous episodes. I'm friends with a few ATF agents, and they're pretty low on the totem pole. They're not the people passing all of these laws. They're pro-gun. And most ATF agents at a local level, depending on the state, are typically pro-gun. And we were talking about how ATF is just pretty much making up their own rules, and they're doing so because they're taking it case-by-case basis. And as a result, it's kind of a loophole, a way around bringing it to the public's attention. And then he was saying that him and the other agents that he works with, they know that it's going in a bad direction and they're stressed out because they know that they have a choice. Either they're going to be the ones that are going to have to enforce this, which they don't want to, or they'll quit. You'll lose the good ATF agents because they're going to refuse to enforce this. And then there's going to be probably some Karen guy or girl that will gladly take their spot and try to enforce this. So Even if we're relying on military, police, ATF, any of those to not enforce it, and eventually they probably will find people to replace these people to enforce it. Yeah, no, 100%. I just posted a couple of weeks ago on my page. It's really reminding me a lot of, I don't know if you've ever read Unintended Consequences. Oh, I don't know. I might have. That sounds familiar. So basically how I describe it is what Atlas Shrugged is to capitalism unintended consequences is to the second amendment and the book is just mind-blowing it's a pretty long book the second part of the book basically talks about everything we see going on but these people start hunting down atf agents because they are the ones coming after our guns and it forces the president to make a drastic decision but if you want to read something that will literally scare the hell out of you because it's happening 
exactly as this guy wrote it. Check out a book called Unintended Consequences by John Ross. Okay, I will. I'm going to take a quick break real quick, talk about SB Tactical. If you guys haven't seen it, last week details came out about more shenanigans the ATF is trying to pull on braces. There's multiple conflicting documents that came out. In one of the ATF statements, only two braces have been submitted for evaluation and approval, which is the SB15 and the MPX PSB. This is not true. They've also approved the SOB brace and the SBM4. They're also ignoring the fact that they have not reviewed any further braces and have been refusing to work with the industry to develop standards on exact parameters of the braces. No official regulations or laws have been changed at this point, so feel free to go ahead and buy braces. This is another thing that they can't enforce. There's no way for them to track down how many braces have been sold and who they've been sold to. And let's face it, there's millions of braces out there. And with the stroke of a pen, if this does pass, and they just made millions of people criminals, which are otherwise law-abiding citizens. Definitely go out and get your braces. They're definitely in short supply. They were in short supply even before all of this happened because a lot of people decided to build their own guns. But you can definitely find them. You can also find them at sb-tactical.com. If you do find something you like there and you want to buy it, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off your entire order. Yehuda, I'm sure that you've heard that people have compared everything that's going on with COVID to the Holocaust. I've heard a bunch of stuff, yes. Yeah. Personally, I believe obviously COVID exists. People are getting sick. Do I think it's as bad as people are making it out to be? No. Do I think that this is a way for people to gain control? Absolutely. I know often, even when I was growing up and learning about the Holocaust, you can't help but think, how do people allow this? Why didn't anybody put their foot down? And I think that COVID is kind of a perfect example of how people are slowly conditioned before you get to a certain point, you look back and you're like, how the hell did I get to this point? I was just recently talking to a friend where now when I watch movies and there's people, it takes place like, I don't know, in a grocery store, it seems so weird to me that people aren't wearing masks, that you can see all these people together and there's no masks on their face. We've already been conditioned to think that that's weird, that people aren't wearing masks. I think that COVID is the perfect example of how things slowly get to a certain point and you turn around and it's too late and you're in this situation. Would you agree or disagree with that? I definitely agree with that. We are being conditioned. I'm at the point where a few days ago, I forgot my mask. Mm -hmm. And inside of me, I was like, woohoo, I'm still normal, right? Like, I didn't think automatically to grab my keys, my wallet, my gun and a mask. Yeah. So I'm at that point, when I see people walking around the store without a mask, I just want to go give them a big hug and right. say, you're awesome. But unfortunately, and again, this is I really feel this is all the media's fault, is all they're talking about is the how horrible COVID is. And I don't want any of your listeners to think that I'm downplaying COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it is a sickness. Yes, we need to take it seriously. However, when you have a 99% survivability rate, why are we not talking about that? Why are we only talking about so many people are getting it still? So many people are getting it still. But like, no, let's talk about, I don't know, maybe you know, I don't know how many people have died in America from COVID. But last I saw, I think 32 million people overcame it. Yeah. Well, and even and, the death, all of the numbers that they're publishing, 
if somebody was on a motorcycle and got into a motorcycle accident and if they tested positive for COVID, they're writing it off as a COVID death. The numbers are so skewed that who even knows what's what anymore? No, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I know we were talking about it. We were supposed to go on earlier today, but my son was tested positive just last night. And we as a family went today to get tested. And I don't feel nervous. I feel like, okay, we're getting tested. It's going to be like the flu if we end up having it, or it might not even be like the flu. We might be asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things that, like we were talking about even earlier, right? If you look at the positive in it, it's not as scary as the media is making it seem. The media thrives on drama. If they don't have drama, no one's tuning in. No one's tuning in, they don't make their money. So they have to scare the hell out of people because that's the only way they'll survive. Well, and I also think nobody's taking it seriously because these rules and regulations that they're enforcing don't make sense. You have to wear your mask to sit at a table in a restaurant, but then you can take your mask off or bars have to close at 10 o'clock. There can't be any more alcohol served after 10 because that's when COVID comes out. Or even when I was working out, like my instructor had to wear a mask, but we didn't have to wear a mask. But yet we were all walking around in the same little group working out together in the same studio. And it's picking and choosing what you can and can't do. And there's no rationale to it. How do they expect people not to take this as seriously? And it varies, obviously, from state to state as well. Here, for example, they've made it mandatory. Wherever you go, you have to wear a mask. In some of the counties, you even have to wear a mask when you're walking outside, but they won't let you in. And you can say, oh, well, I have a sickness or I have asthma or something like that, that I can't wear a mask. So then they expect you to wear a face shield, which I'm sorry, the face shield is so stupid. Oh, okay. It's going to really shield you from getting germs, even though your mouth and your face is exposed and there's just some plastic thing over your face. But they've made it at a point where you can't get food for your family. You can't go into a grocery store unless you have a mask on. So what are you supposed to do? No, absolutely. So I wear a mask when I go to different stores only because I'm at the point where I really don't want to be hassled. Yeah, I personally do it just because I know that it's not the restaurant or the facility's fault. They're just trying to stay open. So I'm not going to put up a fight for them. Am I trying to get the governor recalled? Absolutely. But as far as individual businesses, I'm not putting up a fight because I know that they're just trying to comply to stay open. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm the same way. But then again, there's been places in Texas where I just went to a gun store in the middle of nowhere, Texas, last Thursday. I walked in and there was no one wearing a mask. And we have a mask mandate in Texas, but there was no one wearing a mask. Even a cop walked in not wearing a mask. And I'm like, this is what I miss. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was pretty awesome. It's just um, that's actually funny that you mentioned that because all of the gun stores here locally, they're not enforcing masks. They're not wearing them. And people have called the health department on them and they're just like, yeah, no, we do wear masks. We're trying to enforce it. And they just lie and say, you know, whatever. But I also kind of find it interesting that it seems like a lot of people that are pro-gun are also anti-mask. And you can't help but think that there's some sort of correlation because we have that sort of shall not comply mentality. I think the correlation is really the freedom. Like, don't you dare force something on me. Mm -hmm. We live in America. You can't force someone to do something here. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really where it comes down to is, look, here's my thing. 
I have seen countless studies to come out that saying masks really don't help. Mm-hmm. If masks genuinely helped and they really, really curved the growth of COVID, then I would be like, hey, I wear a mask because it's working. You have the option not to wear it, but I suggest you wear it. But it's shown that it's not working. And if social distancing and masks work, then why isn't COVID gone by now? Yeah, exactly. So I will never, ever force anyone to do something that they don't want to do. I have an FFL. I work with a buddy of mine and we have a small hole in the wall shop and people walk in with a mask all the time and I never wear a mask. And sometimes they're like, oh, do we need to wear a mask? I'm like, you do you, brother. Yeah. You want to wear a mask? We won't say no. You don't want to wear a mask. We're not kicking you out. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how my classes are. I don't enforce masks in my class. I don't care. Absolutely. Some people love it. And some, I mean, everyone loves that, you know, but yeah. um, Well, and then the people who have a problem with it, then wear your mask. But I'm still taking other precautions, which really aren't that different. I've always been kind of a germaphobe where I wipe everything down with Lysol wipes after everyone leaves the class, wipe down pens, anything that people touch, I'll wipe down my guns. And that hasn't changed. But I think that is eliminating germs more than the stupid mask where you're touching everything in sight and then touching your face to adjust your mask and putting more germs around your face. Yeah. But here's kind of where I sort of think that there is some sort of similarities between this and the Holocaust. For example, in other countries, people are unable to leave their homes and are being arrested for even just posting stuff on Facebook that is protesting the lockdowns. People are encouraged to turn in their friends and neighbors if they don't comply with these rules. Even with Thanksgiving, you can only have, what is it, two families, and it has to be under, I don't know, maybe 10 people or something, which is total BS. Just the level of censorship going on has just reached new levels that I never thought we would see in America. Yeah, I call it how I see it. And I know I've I've seen a lot of people comparing it to Nazi Germany and Yes, you might have some similarities, a lot of similarities. However, we'll take the masks, for example, right? I've had numerous people uh, say, oh, like, do you feel that being forced to wear a mask is the same thing as the yellow star? Mm -hmm. And my response is like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Masks are for everybody. Everyone's being mandated to wear a mask. Yellow stars were specifically for one type of person. Yeah. If we were saying, hey, only, I don't know, only Asians have to wear masks, then yeah, you can, I think there's more of a comparison. But I don't think overall, it's really comparable to Nazi Germany. But again, there are a lot of similarities, like your free speech is being restricted, you're not allowed to have more than a certain amount of people in your home. At the same time, even if it is being like Nazi Germany, We live in America. Maybe it's time for a little civil disobedience. Mm -hmm. You don't see people really, you see, I mean, in our circles, I see it a lot more. But overall, the civil disobedience is a really powerful tool. And it can really change a lot of things. And I think a lot of people are afraid to act on civil disobedience. I know we mentioned earlier Shelley Luther. Mm -hmm. She has a salon here in Dallas. It's actually not far from my house. And when they had the lockdown, she closed her salon for, I don't remember how long, but finally she opened it. 
and she got like two cease and desist letters. Then she got like a fine from a judge and she ripped it up or she ripped the, the cease and desist letter on live TV, like telling the judge to go screw himself. Mm-hmm. And then she went to jail for seven days. Yeah. I took the governor, the lieutenant governor, the attorney general of Texas to basically tell the Texas Supreme Court, like, guys, get her out of jail right now type of thing. Mm-hmm. And she did. And now she is running for state house here and doing really well. Mm-hmm. That's what we need more of. Yeah, I completely agree. Unfortunately, you don't see a lot of people doing this, even though I think a lot of people are more talk than anything, where they're like, nope, that's not going to happen to me. I'd put my foot down. But then look at how many people are not putting their foot down. I am happy to see that there's so many businesses that are refusing to close during this time. And I think that the more people that jump on board, the greater impact. But it is always hard to be that first person or the very few that doesn't comply. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how things pan out, especially 2021 isn't shaping up to be any better just because now we are probably going to have Biden as president. It's looking like that is going to be the case. So they're going to be taking even more extreme measures, especially on gun laws and stuff like that. I'm sorry, the economy at some point, it's not going to be doing well. And I don't think that we've seen the effects that it's had nearly as much as it will in probably the next year or so. There's a lot of things, even a lot of health centers right now are closed down. So people aren't getting screened for life-threatening illnesses, cancer, stuff like that. So I even read an article where even in the future, there's going to be a lot of people that come out with these life-threatening illnesses that could have been caught early on. But because a lot of these centers are closed or doctors are limiting their hours and only selecting certain amounts of appointments, that's going to also cause an increase in deaths because of that. It's so weird. It's definitely like the butterfly effect. And we think right now, oh, these stores, but really it's trickling down to all kinds of things. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're going to be in for quite a roller coaster for 2021. I know. I know. It's so sad. And not to mention, look at how many suicides there's been in the last year. That's another thing that nobody's talking about. There was an article that I read. There was more suicides in California than there were COVID deaths. That's a lot of suicides. Yeah. I mean, people are lonely and they can't connect with people. Mm -hmm. Humans are not made to live in, you know, it's actually really funny. Last night, I recently, my wife and I recently bought a projector for our home Mm -hmm. and my kids love it because we have movie night. So last night we had pizza and a movie projected onto the wall and we watched The Croods. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. (laughs) Um, it's it's a absolutely fantastic animation film, great cast. But anyways, follows a a family of cavemen who refuse to leave a cave because everything outside the cave is dangerous, no mm-hmm. matter what it is. If it's new, it's dangerous. And as my daughter was sitting in my lap and I'm watching it, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is exactly what they're trying to do to us. Right. Stay in your homes because everything outside of your home will kill you. Yeah. And the parallels were just crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just wild. It, it's, we really live in a wild time. Yeah. Is it scary right now to have kids and to know if this is going to be the future? I'd imagine if I had kids, I would be extremely scared for their future. Yeah, I've thought about that. The only thing I can say, I mean, it definitely is terrifying to think about in 20 years from now, when you know my four-year-old will be 24 and my 11-year-old will basically be my age almost, 
it's scary to think what the country, what the world is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I'm teaching my kids patriotism. I'm t- teaching them about the Constitution, the Second Amendment, the freedoms that we have to fight for. So, yeah. well, maybe there won't be a civil war in our lifetime. I'm hoping that my kids will be prepared enough to appreciate what this country stands for or what it stood for to fight for it. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely nerve wracking because you don't know what's going to happen, but you, you also, you can't really dwell on the future. You have to live in the now. Yeah. Which is extremely uh, hard. I think for people, myself included, either I'm thinking about the past or I think about the future, but I'm very, very seldom in the moment. Yeah. And that's one of the beauties about having your kids is that as much as you look to the future because, you know, you want to make sure you want to leave the world a better place for your kids and you had it. There's so much going on in the present with children Mm -hmm. that you're forced to sit there and deal with the present. Yeah. Whether it's your kids' grades, their education. Or even just eating at a restaurant with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I say that um, because yesterday I went out with my friend Abby and her two kids, and she has the freaking cutest little kids. But what's funny is I was actually looking down at the menu, so my face wasn't showing. And my friend Abby ordered her two kids Shirley Temples, and the lady's like, "Okay, so three Shirley Temples for the kids." And I looked up and I was like, "Huh?" And she's like, "Oh my gosh, sorry, I thought you were one of the kids." And I was like, okay, well, it's all right, because, you know, I'm in my 30s, mid-30s. I don't mind being confused, I guess, but it was sort of funny. But I do get what you're saying. And I also think that kids kind of just make you see the world so much different. And they're just so, I guess they're just so pure that it kind of just brings you back to reality and kind of gives you hope, I think, for what's taken over the world. No, it's, it's, oh, God, that's so true. Last night, we had a tornado warning here. It's about 9.45 p.m., and the siren goes off, and my kids start panicking, and we all kind of hunkered down in the bathroom for a little. But I was watching Muppet Babies with them uh, (laughs) in the bathroom. And every time they laugh, every time they smile, it's living in that moment. Yeah. And that's how you're going to survive. You're not going to survive necessarily by thinking about the future. Now, preparing for the future is one thing, but just thinking about the future, you have no control over that. But you do have control over what's going on in the moment. And when my daughter asks me to brush her hair, now I'm bald. I got no (laughs) hair. But when my daughter asks me to brush her hair and we're sitting on her bed and she's telling me all about her princesses, honestly, don't care at all about princesses. (laughs) But it means something to my little girl. Yeah. And listening to her talk and seeing how energetic she gets about it, you're living in the moment. You're living for that one moment, that bonding experience that my daughter will have, no matter what the future holds, it's a positive moment that she can always fall back on. Mm -hmm. And I just find that it's just so nice to have that. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, wrapping up, do you have any future plans that you can share with listeners? Oh, got future plans. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I have my seventh book done being written. I'm looking for sponsorship. I don't know if anybody out there wants to sponsor a great book about American patriotism for kids. 
but I'm working on like two or three books actually, and just expanding the Pew Pew Jew brand. Nice. Uh, really it. And where can people find you online? Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Pew Pew Jew. And they can go to the pewpewjew.com. All right, cool. All right, moving forward, IWI. If you're looking for the ultimate space gun or you really just want a totally awesome shotgun, you should check out the TS-12. I've got one. It's a really awesome gun to shoot. It definitely throws me around a bit when I'm shooting slugs at the indoor range because that's all we can shoot. But it's pretty mild when you shoot normal birdshot. It's super compact with a large capacity that has three tubes and it holds a total of 15 rounds. Overall, the gun is only 28.4 inches. And so I think that makes it actually the most compact shotgun in existence if you're not counting the ones that have the long magazine. One of the great things is the gas system's adjustable, so you could always tune it to optimize it for the load that you're shooting most often. It also takes Benelli choke tubes if you want to change out the chokes or attach a suppressor. MSRP is $1,399, which is pretty affordable considering I keep seeing it on Palmetto State Armory, but you could also check out your local dealer, see if they have it. Head on over to IWI.us for more information. And as always, if you find any accessories that you want to buy, use that code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as Never mind. AF. Lauren Boebert, who we talked about, I think it was last week or the week before, she is the new congresswoman and she plans to carry her Glock in the Capitol. The open carry advocate and owner of Shooter's Barn Grill from Rifle, Colorado, may be packing her Glock when she heads to D.C. in January. When she attended orientation programs for new congressional members recently, she asked Capitol Police about the rules regarding carrying in the Capitol. The practice is allowed for lawmakers with some limitations. The public is barred from carrying weapons in the Capitol, ground and office buildings. Also, Washington, D.C. is one of the hardest places to get a concealed carry permit for normal people. There is no standing requirement that lawmakers notify Capitol Police when they carry a firearm in the Capitol. Regulations do require safe storage of weapons, but the responsibility is on the member of Congress. Really, she has the decision to do so. Lawmakers are not allowed to bring weapons into the House chamber. However, congressional members are exempt from screening devices, so there is no real enforcement of that rule. A lot of people have backed Lauren in saying that it's a good idea to carry. There's obviously been some criticism as well. Uh, Representative Jared Huffman from California, he's criticized this regulation and tried to get the practice stopped in the past, but faced strong opposition from other members of Congress. He said the loophole for lawmakers adopted after a summary of racial unrest in American cities, and it's outdated and risky. Representative Thomas Macy, chairman of the House Second Amendment Caucus, justified letting lawmakers carry weapons, citing that 2017 shooting spree when a gunman wounded Representative Steve Skelly and four other people as they practiced baseball in nearby Alexandria, Virginia. It's unknown if Lauren plans to open carry or switch to conceal carry. If she does, 
when at the Capitol and no official statement has been made at this time. I think with everything going on, it's just refreshing to have someone like Lauren who understands the need of everyone to be able to protect themselves representing us in Congress. Wouldn't you agree, Yehuda? Yeah, I definitely agree to to an extent. I, I, I know I've had this question asked to me a few times already. I'm incredibly happy that she's caring. I love that she's caring, but I absolutely hate the fact that she's allowed to carry and the rest of DC can't. Right. No kidding. Whether she's on our team or not, that just irks me to no end that once again, politicians get to do what they want, but citizens don't get to do what they want. Mm -hmm. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, it just it it drives me crazy. Like I said, I'm happy that she has the right to defend herself, even on the Capitol Hill. I have friends in D.C., and it just ticks me off that lawmakers are allowed to carry. But again, people living in D.C., I don't even know if you're allowed to get. Yeah, I know you're allowed to, but it's probably from my understanding, it's very difficult to get a license. Yeah, you have to jump through some major hoops to do so. It's kind of like these politicians that are anti-gun, but they have security forces surrounding them. And so it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's easy for you to say that guns shouldn't be allowed when you have an entire team that is there to protect you, but I have to protect myself and I'm not allowed to carry a gun. Yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate hypocrisy when you see that, you know, especially someone like Shannon Watts, who's got tons of security. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, And let's be honest, no one even cares about her, right? Right. I know. No one cares about her. No one's going to waste any amount of, I mean, even a, God, even a BB gun, no one would waste on her. It just, it, it's, to see the hypocrisy is infuriating. And again, especially, like I said, I'm happy Lauren Bolo gets to carry, but it just, it's such hypocrisy that members of Congress, Senate, anyone working in the government in D.C. gets to carry, but we can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, moving forward, Manicor Arms. I talked about the TS-12 from IWI just a little bit ago. As always, Manicore Arms goes with IWI like bread and butter. So if you have a TS-12 or you're thinking about one, you should also go check out the parts that Manicore Arms makes for it. You can now get Manicore Arms signature curved butt pad they make to enhance the comfort of the Tawar Bullpups compatible with the TS-12. They also make an extended charging handle, which gives you basically one-fourth inch longer of a grip on the handle over the OEM one. It allows for you to charge it much faster and easier. Check that out at manicorearms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, and that gets you 15% off. Today's question is, I just got one of the new Galil Ace pistols in 545 by 39 and I'm loving it, but I'm torn. Should I get another Galil in one of the other calibers or an Uzi Pro next? Which would you want to try first? Honestly, I would say if you have the Galil, I would probably just go with the Uzi. And I get it. If you like a gun, why not get it in multiple calibers? But if you haven't tried the Uzi and you don't own one, I would prefer to have the Galil, and then instead of having two Galils, get the Uzi. What would you say? I like them both, but I'll be honest with you. I've never shot the IWI ones. I happen, everyone assumes that because I ha- I'm the pew pew Jew. Right. 
they're like, oh my God, how many Masadas and Jerichos and Pavors do you own? I'm like, zero. I'm like, zero. They're like, what do you mean zero? And I'm like, I mean, look, I'm not a big fan of the Tavor, personally. I get the appeal, but I'm not a fan. I have shot original Galils, the ones that, like, from, like, the 70s, mm-hmm. the ones that are, like, weigh 700 pounds. Yeah. And those are awesome. And I've also shot a variety of different original Uzis. And those are great. So I don't want to say, like, which one would I rather from IWI? Because I haven't shot them, surprisingly. Okay, well, if you don't consider the ones that were from IWI, even though they're based off of the actual models, just with your experience, what would you prefer? Oh, I'm a Uzi guy. Okay. Yeah, I like my Uzi. It's always been a fun gun to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're both fun to shoot. I have not had a chance to shoot the one that chambered in 545 by 39, but I personally, if I had that gun... And I was thinking about just getting the exact same gun because it was chambered in a different caliber. I think I would probably just get a different gun. I don't know. But then again, I also am the type where if I like a pair of jeans, I will usually buy even the exact same jeans, same color, everything, just because I just really like them. They're comfortable and it's hard for me to find jeans that I like. Yeah, I think it's just, I don't know, it's a matter of preference. But personally, if I were in your shoes, I would get the Uzi Pro. All right, Tacti Talk. Tactic Talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. A Diamondback DBX57 is now shipping. One of the nice things that I saw at SHOT Show, I guess almost a year ago now, was the amount of new 5.7 caliber guns releasing. The 5.7 by 28 has been a pretty underappreciated caliber for quite a while now. And with more guns being available, it's likely to see more ammo manufacturers pick it up and become more affordable. Obviously, that's, of course, once this whole ammo shortage subsides, if it ever does. Back to the new gun from Diamondback, though. So the DBX57 has an 8-inch barrel, M-lock forend, and a 1913 rail in the back, so you can attach a pistol brace or stock if you SBR it. It also includes a Picatinny rail on the full length of the upper and uses the standard FN 5.7 magazines, which is a huge plus. Even with largely aluminum construction rather than polymers, the entire gun comes in at three pounds. It also uses standard AR-15 triggers, so if you wanted to update your trigger, you can do so. Both the FS-1913 or the TS-1913 braces from SB Tactical will work on that. And the barrel, of course, is in half by 28, so it's great if you wanted to run it suppressed, you can. MSRP on it is $1,125. They look like a ton of fun. I have yet to get my hands on it, but I am a huge fan of the 5.7 cartridge. Have you had a chance to get your hands on that, or do you own any of the 5.7 by 28 caliber guns? I don't own any 5.7s yet. I got to shoot the Ruger, the new Ruger one that came out this year, Um, and I really liked it a lot more than the uh the fn yeah the fn i feel like every time i picked up the fn it just felt like i was picking up a toy gun for my kid at walmart yeah the ruger i thought was just felt much better made but um i don't own any five sevens yet right now i'm still kind of rounding up my collection of normal stuff because i've keep in mind i i've come to the gun world pretty late in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm only, you know, three, four years old in it. 
So my my next uh, my next gun is actually a new company that just came out. I'm gonna get their AR pistol. What is it? Third Gen Tactical. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard of that company. They're based out of Utah, and I actually just got to shoot. I've been working with them, helping them with uh, photo marketing, design stuff like that for a while. But they just released their stuff in October, and their AR pistol weighs five pounds nice it is so lightweight there is absolutely no rise when you fire that gun Hmm. yeah i'm a big fan of lightweight guns yeah i will absolutely get you hooked up and introduced with this company because they're really awesome and and it's really well made you always hear the lighter the gun the more recoil it's gonna have and it makes sense but for me anytime i've shot a long gun or a handgun it kind of seems like I have more control over it if it's lighter. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But I was kind of skeptical when working with them. They're like, yeah, man, you're going to shoot our guns. It's going to be zero recoil. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone says that about their firearm. Yeah. And the, I took it out of the box, out of the case. And I'm, I'm not lying to you. I mean, it's 5.2 pounds for the AR pistol, 10 and a half inch. And the full rifle, the 16 inch is 5.8 pounds. Wow. And I was expecting just being pushed back like crazy. Yeah. But it, I mean, there was nothing, uh, a- absolutely no rise and very little recoil. Like I was shocked how little recoil and like right there. And then I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm getting one of these. So I'm hoping to get mine in the next week or two. Nice. And just super sleek. They did a really good job. So I'll, I'll send you some information uh, yeah. after we get off. Yeah. Um, okay, but, cool. Yeah. Really, really cool gun. Nice. Well, another cool gun is the Polymer 80. If you're looking to do your first 80% build, but you're a little intimidated, for the most part, I think it's fairly easy to put together your own Polymer 80. Have you actually ever done so? Um, No, no. Again, I'm one day, yeah. I'll get, well, I'll it's get it. it's one of those things. You have to buy parts every single little part, and it's just like building your own AR. And you're like, okay, cool. I got the barrel, the handguard, the lower, the upper, the stock, and then oh, but I forgot all this other stuff, like the buffer tube and the gas block, and oh, I got to get a parts kit and a trigger. Gosh, how much are triggers? So it definitely adds up, and it's a lot to think about. If that does seem intimidating, you can buy kits that come with everything that you need to build a complete Polymer 80. They're only $590. And of course, it includes the jig, the cutting bits. It is an 80% frame, so it's not serialized. So it's a great way to, to build your own and not have to worry about securing all of those parts. You can check it out at polymer80.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY and that gets you 15% off. Stupid. Funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. I chose this article because, well, it doesn't sound kosher, that's for sure. <laughs> if anything, it sounds like cannibalism. So apparently you can grow your own steak now. Don't freak out because this actually is not available to the public, but there is a DIY meal kit for growing steaks made from human cells which was recently nominated for Design of the Year by the London-based Design Museum. The hypothetical kit would come with everything you need to use your own cells and grow 
miniature human steaks. Thankfully, like I said, this product is not available to buy. The project was made as a critique of the lab-grown meat industry, which the designers told Dezine Magazine. It's not actually as animal-friendly as one might expect. Lab-grown meat relies on fetal bovine serum for animal cell cultures. FBS is made from calf fetus blood after pregnant cows are slaughtered. I guess that kind of defeats the purpose. Lab-grown meat has not been approved for human consumption, though some products could hit store shelves in the next few years. Oh man, this kind of just sounds so gross. If you had the opportunity to grow your own meat using your cells, that sounds like cannibalism, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's Um, so gross. It's one of those things. I have a weird thing about meat anyways. I can cook ground beef, chicken, man, I'd cook it maybe once a year and I end up cutting so many weird little pieces off of it. Anything that looks weird to me, I cut. So the chicken, I literally cut more off the chicken than what I cook. And I just have this weird thing. I'm not vegetarian. I will eat meat all the time. But as far as cooking it and then eating it, if I see it in its raw form, it's so hard for me to eat it after. I definitely don't think that I could do this with using my cells and then eating it. Ugh. It just sounds not appetizing. No. In any way. Yeah. Imagine, though, this is what the future holds. Let's say animals become, well, we kind of saw this actually a little bit with COVID restrictions. For a while, there was a limited supply on meat. And actually, it could be that more people were cooking at home because restaurants were closed. I know that if you went to the grocery store, there wasn't really a lot of meat available. And it kind of makes you wonder the more the population grows and if there's going to be enough meat to keep up with the population and what alternatives people will be using. I mean, it just gives a new definition to soiling green our people. Yeah. You know, literally, it is now. Yeah. I'm like, no, thank you. I'd rather become a vegetarian. Yeah, me too. Sell meat. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, wrapping up iTunes reviews. There's only one iTunes review left, so if you guys haven't done so, please do leave a review on iTunes. It's really easy, especially if you have an iPhone. You just go onto the iTunes app and search for Gun Funny and then scroll down where you'll see reviews and you can leave a review and you have the chance to win some cool prizes. First review is from Welder51220, new favorite, five stars. I learned about Ava and Gun Funny on Colian Noir's podcast. Since then, I have gone back and listened to all of the older episodes. My one and only reason to be excited about Monday, always entertaining, educational, and fun. Second is KRW-4-26-14. Spread the word five stars. I learned about Ava in this show through Colian's podcast, and I haven't been disappointed. I've been spreading the word about the podcast for those who want to be informed on what's going on in the 2A world. At first, I thought when I saw these reviews, I thought it was written by the same person. And then I looked and I was like, oh, it's not the same person. But what are the odds that two people found me based off of his podcast? (laughs) Pretty funny. Both these reviews are very similar, but I want you to pick a winner to win a prize pack. I like the first one better. All right. So Welder51220, contact me on social media, send me your address, and I will get that prize pack out to you. Now it's time to wrap up. So guys, if you want to find me, go to gunfunny.com. You can find links to everything. If you haven't done so, like our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I just put out a review of the new Smith & Wesson Optic Ready 2.0 pistol. So definitely check that out. Also, if you enjoy the show and you want to support it, you can 
become a patron, or you could even just make a one-time donation. And you can do that at gunfunny.com. Once you're on the website, just click on support the show. And there's lots of different options for that. As always, Blown Deadline is giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon each month. So all the more reason to join. I also wanted to thank our $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, Ralph Anthony, Dylan Savage, and Melissa Ridings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that Operator Tickles frequently makes blood donations, but it's never her own. Oh, dang. <laughs> and you follow me on Facebook, right? We're Facebook friends, so I'm sure you've seen my dog Tickles. Yes. Yeah, that's Tickles, Operator Tickles. Operating at just four pounds, but don't let that size fool you. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yehuda, can you just remind people once again where they can find you on the internet? Sure, you can find me at thepewpewjew.com. Or if you want to follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at the Pew Pew Jew and Facebook as well. Awesome. And there's links if they wanted to buy your books. Uh, yeah, my website, the Pew Pew Jew.com. You can buy signed copies of my books. If you don't think my Herbie Hancock is worth 10 bucks, feel free to go to Amazon <laughs> and purchase them from there. Awesome. And that actually reminds me, guys, if you haven't gotten your calendar yet, I have a Gun Bunny edition as well as just a regular Ava Flanell calendar. And if you pay an additional, I think it might be $10, I sign it and so does Tickle. So there's that. But you can find that as well on gunfunny.com. Do you sell yarmulkes that say the Pew Pew Jew? Because I know you wear one. I do. On my website, I have two different camo pattern yarmulkes that have the Pew Pew Jew embroidered into it. That's awesome. All right. Well, on that note, I'm out of here. I'm going to go get my yarmulke. Oh, wait, I'm a girl. Dang it. Well, guys, for the fellow Jews out there, if you guys want to get your yarmulke, go ahead and do so. And on that note, we are out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.